You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. All right, picking up where we left off. Number five. Cowpoke most excited about the rodeo is the cowpoke at the rodeo. So if we want to double our income, number five is all about seizing the moment of greatest enthusiasm in the customer in order to get more of their money. And so you have to think about, first of all, where in your relationship and your process with your customer that moment or moments are because that's where you want to get additional money from your customer. So the first premise to remember about all of this, a very core fundamental, is that a buyer is a buyer is a buyer. And a non-buyer is often a non-buyer is often a non-buyer. So buyers are extremely valuable. And as soon as they demonstrate that they are willing to buy, uh, you give them a little star on their head and you treat them very differently than you treat non-buyers. And it is usually infinitely easier to keep a buyer buying than is the task of getting a non-buyer to make a purchase for the first time. So I'll just give you an absolute demonstration of this that if you were alert and paying attention um, and you were paying attention to this on two tracks as a student of what's being said and taught and all that and as an observer of what's actually going on. So there are how many people are at their first super conference? I mean you learn more by looking around I mean, there's, a, there's an inordinate number of you, um, uh, which, welcome, it's terrific. Uh, however, many of you do not yet know how to behave. Uh, so, now, the people who are like at their, I don't know, fifth or more, raise your hands, that you've been to five or more. Keep them up if you've been to seven or more. Ten or more. All right? Those, the ones that had their hands up like last, they're the, they were the first back there to buy. Titanium members who live with me were back there first to get archives too. Where's Scott Manning? Is Scott in the room this morning? Scott? I don't care because here's what Scott did when he got here. He went to the product table, told them about whatever anybody's selling, I want it all, charge my card, I don't want to make any choices. Now Scott's like a lifer. So they're buyers because they've already been trained how to buy. They know know they're supposed to buy. They know they're going to pour through something, find, extract something, and they're going to use it. So they they don't have to be told run to the back of the room, keep your energy, so you don't have to be told any of that stuff because they're already buyers. And so if you knew who they were, like I do, you would, you would see this every time somebody offers resources. Is the first people up are the people who 
already know how to buy and already buy. When I sold from the stage at the success events, so for nine years, uh, um, the now departed Zig Ziglar and I were the only two constants on these giant day-long marathon extravaganzas in, for the seven of the nine years we were in sports arenas with 10, 15, 20,000 people. And so guys like Zig and I and Brian Tracy and Tommy Hopkins and, were alternating with famous people. The famous people didn't sell anything. We sold stuff. And I was last every time. My heart cheered as I looked out and saw people sitting there with so many bags of stuff around them that they couldn't carry them all. Because I said, one more bag. Mm -hmm. My sense of enthusiasm fell dramatically if I looked out and saw that the people who had stayed had no bags. Because a buyer is a buyer is a buyer, and a non-buyer is a non-buyer is a non-buyer. So for all the reasons that I said at the very beginning yesterday morning, economic trends, what's that, you, you have to fully capitalize on your buyers. You must. Okay. So recency is often one of the most important indicators of who will buy. Uh, when people rent mailing lists, catalog buyers, newsletter subscribers, mail order buyers of any kind, um, often uh, the list owners charge a lot more for those who have purchased most recently and often renting the ones who have purchased most recently even though we pay more for those names is the most productive thing to do because in whatever subject area of interest, if they are health buyers and we're selling health stuff, if we're, so the person who is most likely to buy a delivered to their home cure for arthritis, a field I've done some work in again and again and again for 20 years. If we go to the list marketplace to get lists, of arthritis buyers, the person most likely to buy a bottle of Glop, a bottle of pills, subscribe to a newsletter, etc., buy a device, is the person who bought one yesterday. The next is the one who bought it the day before. Okay. So recency is a powerful, powerful thing, and you have to be aware of it, and you have to capitalize on it. So some of the ways people capitalize is the immediate upsell before concluding the sale. Right? So you see this happen every time you go to an office max or an office depot or a Best Buy or any of these kind of stores and buy one of these damn gadgets that many of you are, have crawled into while you are here. What happens at the cash register? By the way, this thing's made by children in China, so the odds of it lasting very long are not good, uh, and so you might want the extended warranty plan. This is their version of, would you like fries with that? 
It is enormously profitable. It is enormously important to those businesses because there's a lot more margin in the piece of paper called the extended warranty, which was made on a photocopier for two cents, than there is in the gadget. A lot of businesses are this way. That's why the automobile industry hates it when you pay cash for a car, because they make as much or more on the financing commissions as they do on the automobile itself. The extended warranty is one of the most profitable things in that store. A lot of businesses are this way, by the way. So what's the most pro so how many in here have been to Dis 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 Disney World at least once? Okay. So what do you think is the most profitable product margin at Disney? Okay. There's there's over two hundred thousand product SKUs. Hmm? Yellow slickers, almost. No cigar though, almost. Okay. And 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 interestingly, this product is going away. Nope. No? Uh, who said that? Disney dollars. Okay? They get so so who has some? Raise your hands, nice and proud. So you paid twenty dollars for a twenty dollar bill with goofy on it, which was printed by children in China and costs a fraction of a penny to produce, and you didn't spend them all and you took it home. There is no product in their product line that is more profitable than Disney dollars. The rain slicker is second, right? So they have, in Orlando at Disney World, they have a whole room of Indians dancing, right? They, they, they show up at eight o'clock in the morning, they go to work, they dance, okay? Not as a show for anybody, you understand, to make it rain. Because when it rains, out from under every counter in the park come the yellow rain jackets eh, that are disposable. They are cheap. They are made by children in China with very, very, very thin plastic and seams that are no good. So you can't really bring them back and use them again and again, which nobody does anyway. One of the most common things you hear is, we already got those, and we left them in the room, damn it. I'll take five. Right? They are now, I think, 15 bucks, nine bucks, something like that. And again, they probably, co they're probably cost, I don't know, a dime, maybe. Right? So they love the afternoon thunderstorm. And they are very, which, by the way, Florida's state slogan should be, it's by law, it should have to be on the license plate. You should have been here last week. Because uh, every time you go to Florida and the weather sucks, uh, hear, that's what you'll hear from all the natives. Oh, you should have been here last week. 80, sunny, not a cloud in the sky, you lying. So anyway, so anyway, uh, as an aside, you've got to think about what can you integrate into your business that has an enormous profit margin all right. But beyond that, you've got to think about how you can have the equivalent of, don't you want an extended warranty with that? All right. Because it's hard to find anything to sell that's more profitable than a piece of paper for which there will be enormous non-use. Mm -hmm. 
just like with Disney dollars. By the way, so just as a side, as profitable as Disney dollars are, they're going away because now when you go to Disney World, you get the band. How many have seen this deal? Okay. Now, it's important to understand why they're doing it, why they say they're doing it, and why they're really doing it. So now you get the band. The band is your room key. The band is your room reservations. The band is what you buy things with. You don't need Disney dollars. You don't need a credit card. You don't need a room key. You don't need nothing. You want to buy something, you go boop, boop, and you're on your merry way with your pile of crap. Boop, boop. So Disney dollars, only about 20% of the people would exchange their money for Disney dollars. As soon as they had Disney dollars, they felt differently about spending them than they did about spending real money, just like casino chips in Las Vegas. That's why they don't like you walking up to a table and going money plays. Because when somebody does that, they make one bet and they walk away. If they get them to exchange their money for a big pile of colored chips that really aren't money, they gamble them all. Right? This is chips. And it's forced on 100% of the people. Disney dollars, 20% of the people. 100% of the people now have a band. 100% of the people are forced to exchange their money for casino chips. And they are now merrily buying things going beep, beep. Totally different psychology than get room key out of pocket. Remember, it's a credit card. It looks just like a credit card. It's plastic like a credit card. I'm spending money. Beep, beep. People who already are dragging wagon loads of stuff around with them will now be dragging three wagon loads of stuff around with them. By the way, if you can do this in your business, although not my point. So extended warranty at the cash register. Uh, Nito Cobain, who many of you know now because of High Point University, uh, one of his consulting clients uh, at one time was Hickory Farm Stores. And he observed that some people got to the cash register with sausage but didn't have cheese. And some people got to the cash register with cheese but didn't have sausage. So they created a color-coded chart for the cashier so they could say, I see you have XYZ kind of sausage. We have ABC kind of cheese that goes with that sausage. Wouldn't you like to add the cheese? Roughly 50% of the people say yes. Um, This is a significant revenue enhancer for that business. Really smart high-end restaurants talk to you about the whiz-bang dessert they got that you have to order in advance in order to have it prepared. Why do they do that? Because if they wait to sell you dessert until after you've had your appetizers, your dinner, and your bottle of wine, you're full. If they can get you to order dessert before you consume anything else, you're not full. They sell more dessert. At the success events, as soon as somebody bought a ticket, what I introduced that Peter did then was the whole series of upsells. So they sold very cheap tickets. However, then there were extra money breakfasts with different speakers. There were extra money lunches with different speakers. There was the paid photo opportunity with the last famous person of the day. This one I didn't particularly like because like 300 people who have stayed till the bitter end, who are now my prospects, are being led out in a parade just before I'm starting to go get their picture taken with, you know, Mikhail Gorbachev or 
uh, Ronald Reagan, you know, or whoever, but it did make a lot of money. So we had, oh, we also had seating options, and we had a souvenir program. So that's one, two, three, four, five upsells after you bought a ticket, the minute you bought a ticket. Average transaction, uh, the year the ticket prices were at 49, the average transaction went from 49 to 130 some odd dollars. And keep in mind, hardly anybody's coming alone. So every business has an opportunity to have an immediate upsell. Any business that doesn't have an immediate upsell is dumb because some percentage of people will say yes right now. Therefore, if you don't offer it, you simply leave money behind that they would have happily given you. And it's not like you can go get it later because this has a lot to do with their moment of greatest enthusiasm. And when are they having their moment of greatest enthusiasm? For most people, at least one of those moments is when they are buying something. If they're buying something from you and they're not doing it under duress, you know, they're buying plumbing repair because their basement is full of water and water is pouring out of the side of the wall, that's not a happy moment. But for the most part, when I'm buying from you, I'm happy. People like to buy. They don't necessarily like to be sold, but they love to buy. So when I'm buying something, that's, and often, that's a happier moment than when I actually get it. Because when I get it, it's either not quite as exciting as we made it sound, it requires like work or assembly or like when I buy something out of a catalog, when am I most excited? Right then when I'm buying it. And I am least excited when it arrives eight days later and it has to be put together. My garage is full of unput together things. And I have a guy and he comes over once every three or four months, finds them all and puts them together. Got the key, got a garage door opener, got the keys to the house. He knows the garage is full of boxes of things Dan bought and hasn't put together, and that's one of the things he does. Okay. Otherwise, I'd be returning the stuff or dropping it off at the Goodwill. So I'm happiest when I'm buying it, which is why if you drive me to the web to buy it, you damn well better have an immediate upsell. If you have good humans, it's actually better to drive me to the phone because the human can keep trying different ones which is why the really good catalog companies, if you buy from a really good catalog company, they've gone from one upsell to multiple upsells, and they'll keep trying until you bail out. Well, we have a special today, turn to page, do you have your catalog? Yeah, I have my catalog. Great, turn to page 46. We got socks on sale. Oh, no one didn't know I bought, bought socks, but I guess. You don't want socks? Great, turn to page 72. We got this on sale. And they'll keep trying until you stop. And the, and the second sale is more profitable. So all the marketing cost is loaded into getting you to the first purchase every time. Right? All the marketing cost is getting you to the first purchase. There's basically no marketing cost 
attached to this to the immediate upsell there's definitely none attached to the second upsell so from a profitability standpoint this is really critical next immediately after the sale so in archives volume 2 i'm sure i'm pretty sure i mentioned it to you one of, one of the things that's in there is FitQuest's phone script because they would make a sale for an exercise device and then they would outbound call you with this script before they shipped it and say, we're about to ship your doohickey. However, there's a better version of the doohickey. And here's the five things that is better about the doohickey. And then they had a really cool payment and price strategy, and they would make the shipping cost that you already agreed to on the bad doohickey go away and give you free shipping on the better doohickey. And they converted about 20% of their buyers to the better doohickey from the other doohickey. It's the most profitable part of their business. All the sales cost was loaded into the sale they already made. The margin, the price differential from the doohickey you already bought to the doohickey you're upgrading to, the margin of that, huge compared to the margin of the original doohickey. All the sales cost is loaded into the doohickey. This is the most profitable part of the business. In the seminar world, we will often hide upsells until somebody is registered and then begin the upsells after the registration. I kind of just described that. So Bob Evans restaurants have rebuilt their stores. Um, they've done some stupid things, but I used to be a stockholder. I'm not now. The old man is either dead or gone, and the MBAs have moved in, and bad things are happening. But um, I'm not giving investment advice, but if you happen to own Bob Evans stock and you haven't been in one lately, take an old person with you who likes to go there and go and watch their reaction. Um, the MBAs didn't bother with the old people who actually support the place. They just made changes. Um, it's kind of like the engineers uh, who designed S. Um, nobody bothered to actually find a speaker who uses one. But anyway, so Bob Evans has created an impulse sales place at the cash register. So the bakery is there. Okay. Now the first thing, first base they missed, by the way, which Debbie Fields did from the very beginning, is there ought to be a little fan blowing the scent of the baked goods towards you while you were standing at the cash register. It's cheap, it's easy to do, it doesn't actually have to be the scent of the real baked goods. The food industry sells scent cartridges that smell like fresh baked baked goods so the stuff could be stale, it wouldn't make any difference. Okay? And, they, and, and they've just missed it. Okay? But the big thing they missed is people are at a table eating, they negotiate, they get a check, and then they go to the cash register at the bakery counter to pay for it. Where's the instant use coupon that expires when I walk out the door? Waitress has to come over with the check anyway. It's not gonna, she's probably not going to quit her job over carrying the extra weight of the coupon. 
but now I've put money in your pocket that expires, disappears into dust the minute you walk out the door without having bought a baked good. Do you think I increase the likelihood of somebody buying a baked good? Yes, I do. So there's ways for immediately after the sale to make another sale and another sale and another sale. If you deal with Disney by phone, they chase you if you do it online. If you deal with Disney by phone, there's all kinds of these right after the first sale. You booked a hotel reservation? Well, what about the morning safari? What about restaurant reservations? What about your meal plans? Okay. So Disney's whole deal is we don't want you going anywhere else. So we have 622 different ways that you can agree to stay here, never leave, no matter how many days you're here, and give us the money. And they're all right after the first sale. So that's the second category, immediately after the sale. I'm going to give you a actual case history and a script and a template. It's a sales technique a lot of people know. Okay? It's called the Columbo. Uh, and if you recall the Columbo character, of course, um, there, the, one of the revelations, the getting the person to bumble and disclose something was conversation is over and he's bumbling his way out the door and oh yeah one one more thing and the one more thing was actually the thing okay but it's disarming for it to be one more thing so when i was doing the success events um, um, we were in atlanta which is where fran tarkenton lives for those of you who don't know fran football player, Minnesota Vikings quarterback, uh, Hall of Famer, um, and uh, we used him at Guthy Wanker in a number of infomercials, which is how I knew Fran. So Fran hosted um, uh, the, Think the first show, the 1987 Think and Grow Rich show. Fran hosted the first Tony Robbins show. Um, Fran inexplicably hosted a show about hair growth because Fran doesn't have any much hair anymore. Uh, Fran hosted a lot of shows. And so Fran came over to see the Atlanta event. And we were talking afterwards, and Fran had never, first of all, Fran had never seen, like, speakers selling stuff from the platform. This was new to him. And he had never seen a stampede. And he was excited by the stampede. And one thing Fran can do, I mean, he is a football player, and he has been hit in the head a lot, but he can count. Um, so... He had a pretty good I, he had a pretty good estimate after I was finished of exactly how much I had done. He was within five grand on 150, which is a, which is a pretty good guess. And so Fran said, you know, I take speaking engagements and I get a fee, but still, God, I'd love to do something like that, but I don't really have anything. And you know, I said, well, you don't need to do it with the audience. You could do it with the corporate client who's paying you, and that might be easier for you. He said, well, how would I do that? I said, well, what do you got? He said, well, I got this book, you know, and sometimes we give some books away and autograph some books. I got this book on leadership. I said, okay, what else you got? Footballs, all right? We got footballs, and we got a Fran Tarkenton autographing machine in the back room, and, 
and my kid runs that thing, so we got footballs. I said, perfect. Right? So after you book the engagement and you get all that done and you get your fee, here's your script. I'll read it to you. Oh, by the way, most keyword, I boldface the keywords, most of the companies, associations, organizations, whoever he's talking to, who bring me in like to get autographed footballs and copies of my book on leadership for everybody attending, which we take care of at wholesale cost, discounted from our fake retail cost. Or, at the very least, if they are restricted by budget, they get a football and a book for every table, because, you know, he's mostly an after-dinner guy or a lunch guy. They're sitting in rounds for every table and award them by drawing for them at the table or get them for VIPs, which do you think would be best for you and XYZ Corporation? Now, let me quickly give you the psychological translation. Oh, by the way, most of the companies who bring me in, so if you don't, you are a strange freak, like to get autographed footballs and copies of my book on leadership for everybody attending, which we take care of at a wholesale cost. Or at the very least, if you want to do the minimum and be a weenie, if you are restricted by budget, if you have a tiny little dick, they get a football and book for every table and award them by drawing or get them for VIPs. Which do you think would be best? Parentheses, do you want the best or must you settle for less and bear the shame of that for you and your company? Okay. That's the... So, thank you very much. That's why I get the big bucks. All right. So, Frayne calls me very excited, like a week later, and um, Interstate Battery had just booked him to do their national convention, and he says, I read it exactly like you gave it to me, which I wrote it in his office, you know. He said, I read it exactly like you gave it to me, and he said, we sold 3,000 books and 3,000 footballs. He said, the net from the books and the footballs is four times my fee. He said, I like this. With next, the next place it belongs is with the delivery of goods or services. So not always, because I don't like getting stuff I have to assemble, but often when somebody, when you are now getting the product or service you paid for, you bought, you agreed to buy, when you're getting it, you're excited. All right? And often we can make someone excited about the delivery of a good or service if we just do something a little extra. So, auto repair shops, why they don't wash the car is beyond me. I would never open an auto repair shop without a little wash stall in the back to wash the damn car. I can't see the repair. It has no emotional, for me, Oh, you replaced the struts. Wonderful, right? I don't even know what a strut is. I don't want to know what a strut is. Where is it? You have to crawl under the car to see it. I mean, and it's it, not shiny and red, white, and blue stripes, and it doesn't match the color of the car, and it, you know, 
But if you hand my car back to me clean, I get that. Now I'm excited. All right? So often we can, like, make it exciting, even if it's not. So I learned from Gary Halbert the thank you, congratulations, and since you were so smart to buy X, I'll bet you're smart enough to buy Y letter. That's the structure, by the way. It's another template. Thank you. Congratulations. And since you were so smart and are so wise and are so rare and are such a rare bird amongst ugly ducklings, you'll probably be smart enough to want this too. Catalog companies, the smart ones, deliver whatever you bought with thank you coupons in it with a deadline for other stuff. Open box, oh, excited about shoes. So I couldn't answer her. Somebody, she asked me about the red boots I had on last night who talked me into those, and I was talked into them, but I can't remember who the hell talked me into them or when. Uh, but I do remember them arriving in the box, right? And I will tell you they are more exciting in the box than they are being worn, right? Because these things are the equivalent of the 12-inch, too-small spike heel uh, a shoe that women wear for a particular telegraphic communicative purpose. And I, uh, so, and I have a badly broken toe on my left foot from a horse standing on it, and it points in the wrong direction. And uh, these things come in like this, and the toe is like this, and it curls up. And I was much more excited about them in the box than I was on my feet. Right? That's why you want the coupons in the box not popping out when the person puts the product on. You've got you've to get this. Where are the moments of greatest enthusiasm, and how do we seize them? So when an installer or a deliverer comes, that's a good time to make a second sale. So I recently had a garage door repair. Thing wouldn't close. And unless you went out and scraped all the snow. So guy comes out, I can, make, I can fix that, right? Now, wisely, so here's what, because it really, the whole thing needed replaced. The springs needed replaced, the, you know. Wisely, though, he fixed it first. And I now see it closing. Then, however, the bad news is the repair is probably not going to stick because the springs are all screwed up. And as long as we're going to replace the springs, you probably should replace the whole unit because we got this whiz-bang unit that will never let this happen. I can undo the safety governor on it for you, and I don't care if you got a two-year-old's head in there. This thing is closing. I said, that's the one I want, right? And he said, furthermore, it's got 56 backup systems, so Armageddon can come, the power can be out in the entire state of Ohio, and Buffalo can be roaming the earth, and when you come home and push a button, that door's opening up. I said, that's, that's the one I want, right? Great. Put that baby in. Okay? You know, you don't have a real good garage security system. I don't? Mm-mm. Let me show you how easily this whole thing you just bought can be opened by somebody you don't want to open it. Oh, there you go. Mm -hmm. 
this guy, boom, to boom, to boom. I now have like a $4,800 garage door system, all right? It actually, when you hit the thing and the door comes up, it says, welcome home, Mr. Kennedy. <laughs> and he says, would you like that in a male voice, a female voice, or a British female voice? I swear to God. I say, give me the British female voice. So my, so, so my garage now welcomes me home and sounds like Patricia Fripp, for those of you who know her as a speaker, or, or sounds like Chris Cardell's wife. It actually sounds like Chris Cardell's wife welcoming me home when I press the button. It's wonderful. Okay? It's fabulous. Sale upon sale upon sale right at delivery of the goods. Next use. God, so many businesses miss this. If I just got something done and I, or went somewhere, did something that could repeat, the time to sell the repeat is while I'm having a good experience. So we're at uh, Hyde Park Steakhouse on New Year's Eve for dinner with friends. We leave. Nobody sells me next New Year's Eve. Why not? Why not, Mr. Kennedy, can I speak, speak to you for a minute? You undoubtedly have a wedding anniversary. Your friends undoubtedly have a wedding anniversary. Maybe you go out for dinner on Christmas Eve. You'd, probably it'll be great for you to come next New Year's Eve. Here's what we can do. We can lock in all those reservations, uh, and we can give you uh, free appetizers with every one. And if you want, you can take care of it in six payments automatically charged to your car. You won't even feel it. How about if we do, do that now? No attempt. Not even an attempt. We were just at uh, the Borgata in Atlantic City, their premium property that's not on the boardwalk. I'm in a $1,200 a night suite. I'm not, I mean, I'm spending money, you know? Any attempt at next trip to Atlantic City? Nope. Nope. Now, when Bob Stupak ran Vegas World, which is now the stratosphere in Las Vegas, you could not get out of there without multiple attempts being made to book your next vacation. They had an upsell to a club package prepaid for 12 um, that also got you access to the room where they put the stale croissants out in the morning and, uh, and, and a room on a better floor, although in his hotel, there was no such thing. The better floor was the one that was not under construction. That was basically, that was basically the deal, okay? You get to stay on the, floor, on the floor that the wires aren't hanging from the ceiling. That's basically, but there was that offer. There was just book the next vacation. There was a three pack. There was a free gift when you do this. Multiple attempts, people standing at the bottom of the elevator pitching you on the day you were checking out. He did everything he could to pick your pocket and get you booked for the next time you were coming back. And he was very successful at it. Disney tries three, four different ways. They at least got stuff in the room on a table saying, why not book your next vacation? The next thing ought to be sold. So two years ago, Guys are out power washing the driveways in our community, right? I live in a cul-de-sac. So, and my driveway had gotten a little grimy. 
and here's the big power wash truck at the neighbor's deal, done exactly the way you're supposed to do it, complete big full color wrap, you know, and the technician is nicely uniformed, and, and they're power washing the neighbor's driveway. So I toddle over and hire them to power wash my driveway, which is exactly what's supposed to happen. However, you really need it done every year. I did it two years ago. I haven't done it since. Why? Because they didn't sell me a three-year package right after they power washed it while he was standing there, and it was beautiful. And really the time to sell it is power wash half of it. And then say, take a look at this, Mr. Kennedy. I'm going to finish the other half, but you know, you got to have this done every year. And you can buy a three-pack, a six-pack, a 12-pack. What would you like to do? And we'll throw in gutter cleaning. The time to do it is then. Cleveland Clinic sold me the big executive physical. You go there at 7 o'clock in the morning. They take away your clothes so you can't leave. And they, well, they do. And by the way, it's a smart move because a bunch of people, guys would be bailing out all, the, all, all day long. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. Because you are there like from 8 to 5. And somebody comes and gets you and they run you through this test. And then you go back and you sit there. And of course, they've told, they've told everybody you can't drink coffee until you pass the fourth test. And except my guy, fortunately, Roy's and Oz's partner, said it's all bullshit. Go ahead and drink coffee. So, thank God. But. So they come get you. So the first, like, third of the day is different people coming you and taking you into this room and sticking needles in you and drawing blood and looking in your eyes and all that stuff. Then the middle part of the day is now you being run from one person to the other who basically tries to sell you stuff. All right, that's, that's the deal. So you go meet with the nutritionist who tries to put you on a nutrition program. Then you go back out, you sit there for about 10 minutes, and then you go meet with the exercise physiologist who tries to sell you a big rubber ball and a stretchy thing and put you on a fitness program. And then you go, at one point, you actually go to the life coach, and I was gentle. So you go to the life coach, and you know, he, he gets out his little wheel, you know, the life balance wheel thing, and they do there, he does his PowerPoints presentation, and I was polite. And so they do this all day long, everybody sells stuff. Right? The one thing they don't sell ever is next year's executive physical. I cannot believe how dumb this is. They actually know they're, the whole thing is a giant sales exercise, and then they don't sell the one thing that people are most likely to buy and is probably the most profitable thing that they do. They don't sell next year's executive physical. No attempt. Nothing. I was ready for that. No, no attempt. So delivery of goods or services is another place to do this. Now, I want you to think for a second about what we just did. We have under one item, we have three categories of possible activity. I'm only trying to double your income in the next 90 days. One of them might do it, but all three of them damn well will do it. So there's three categories of possible activity, improvement, change, rearrangement of how you deal with customers, clients, or patients that we have just covered. Don't miss it. Okay. Here's an important, another wealth fact. Oh, and since we are on the subject of wealth facts, I will deviate for five minutes. Uh, as most of you know by now, 
we have a, we, I have two Dan only events coming up in June. One of which is my Advanced Wealth Academy. Uh, we are at, uh, I figured it out this morning because you got to figure, uh, the seating actually is limited. If you've been to one of my events at the hotel in Cleveland, you know, I'm not kidding you, we can only put so many people in that room. Right? Now, we put enough in there that you know each other intimately, but, uh, but we can only put so many in there. So calculating the number of accompanying persons and all that, I have 17 seats left. That's all I got. I think they put stuff in your goodie bag, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if not, the registration form is at the back with GKIC's customer service people, one or the other. But, like, if what we're doing here makes sense to you, um, there's... There's a lot of practical things about putting yourself in alignment with the movement of money to be discussed, and there's a lot of um, psychological things to be discussed about putting yourself in alignment with money. That's what the two-day event is all about. It is all me with the exception of one evening with Mark, Mark Victor Hansen. Um, uh, there's, there's a ton of very smart, very successful, very cool people coming, good group to hang out with. Um, and uh, but if you're going to get one of those last 17 seats, you're going to do it probably like now. So if you haven't paid any attention before, you ought to pay attention now. If you have no idea of the details of the event, um, you can see my assistant Vicky. I think we have eight or ten of the original brochures with us. We can get you one. Um, you can just use the order form if that's what you want to do. I think there's a one sheet kind of mini description also in your bag. So. Uh, so, wealth fact. The most certain way to get the most money out of a customer is often. So I should have put the word often in. Not always. There are no ironclad rules. But the most certain way to get the most money out of a customer is often to accelerate the getting of the money. People are prone to wander off. So when Hyde Park Steakhouse didn't get me booked for next year's New Year's Eve, their chances of getting me back there next New Year's went down to near zero because 11 months are going to pass before that decision gets made. And four people are really involved in the decision. Me, Carla, Pete, Donna. The odds during those 11 months of one of these people meandering around into some place that they like, that they then have a preference for going to on New Year's Eve. Had he sold me next New Year's Eve, while I was there on New Year's Eve, the chances of me wandering off and going somewhere else are very, 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 very low. A different preference has to occur to such a degree that I try and undo what I have already done or I just eat it and pay the cancellation fee and go someplace else. But, and if he sold me a package of four times there, I am much more likely to go there four times than I am of my own because people meander off and around. We talked yesterday about customer sharing. <coughs> so customer wandering off is a linked problem. So often, the most certain way to get the most money out of a customer is to accelerate the getting of the money 
of the customer. So I'm going to show you a couple, so I'm talk about a couple of examples. So one, again, is our friends at Disney. So one of the ways that they accelerate the getting of the money from customers is they sell them a timeshare, which is really stays paid for in advance. If you don't know, you actually deeded to a property, but it doesn't matter. Basically, you bought a coupon book. You bought a bucket of points. And you now use those points to get accommodations every year for the rest of your life, and you can will it to one generation. Of course, there's a pretty good yearly maintenance fee. And of course, when they get you there, because you now aren't paying to be there, Here's the psychology of that. We're here for free, so we can spend more money than we would if we were paying for lodging. I know this is how people think, because this is how everybody around me thinks. I said, no, I paid $200,000 for this, divided by my life expectancy and the number of nights we're here. Uh, I got news for you. We're paying to be here. No, 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 no. Free. Free. Okay, I give, it's free. In gambling, so Carl is actually pretty lucky at Kino Machines, which is the whole thing's a mystery to me. But, but so here's, so Carl will go off, come back in three hours, I say, how'd you do? Right? One, 300 bucks, I'm up 300. She started with my thousand, right? $700 has disappeared. I'm up 300. Okay. So Disney accelerates the getting of money by taking somebody who is there for a vacation and selling them a lifetime thing. Now, four years from now, you have a vacation to take. You own this, or you can go anywhere else and pay to be there. Which are you more likely to do? Go to this thing you own. So they have locked in getting you there twice a year forever. They will extract a ton of money from you every time you are there. And they have done it by accelerating the getting of the money for the stays. All they've really done is taken 20 years of hotel bills and made you pay them up front. That's all they've done. And they're building the thing you're going to stay in with the money you gave them up front. Just like Stupac built Vegas World. Buy a vacation package, get a piece of paper, you get to come later, okay, we'll build another floor. Disney, on a more sophisticated level, is doing the same thing. We get X number of people to prepay for the lifetime number of hotel visits they're going to stay. We go build another building. That's what they're doing. So advanced body scan, I mentioned them the other morning. So advanced body scan um, is a company that in Oklahoma City, you go to get uh, virtual tests. So all non-invasive tests for everything, cancer, um, bone problems, arthritis, heart disease, uh, virtual colonoscopy. So they are bringing most in with a low price, small, simple little test offer. 
and a 90-minute consultation. $47 to $97 in the door. When they walk out of the door, they have bought either, they were selling a 10-year program. One of my changes was to AB it, 7-year program or 12-year program. So the 7-year program is now the price of what the 10-year program used to be, by the way. So they're walking out of there with a 7-year program to either come in every year and get every test known to man, or come on alternating years and get every test known to man, right? or a 12-year program prepaid to come in every year or come in on alternating years, or a family plan, which is a 7-year or 12-year program, either coming in every year or coming in every other year. So we are moving them from 47 to $97 to, let's see, the lowest thing they could do is 4169 and the most expensive thing they can do is $13,733. That's called accelerating the money. 97, 13,000. Importantly, and you will think this works the opposite, so the next generation is underway. This is a fairly simple shock and awe package, um, kind of primitive, but this is rushed out to people once they book their appointment, so they see it before they get to the appointment. Amongst all the other things that are in it, by the way, side issue, map. Don't need to give anybody a map anymore. They all got GPSs. Give them a damn map. Right. How much did it cost? Right. They walk in with their little map. Right. The prices are disclosed in the shock and awe package. They know when they come in, they are going to be talked to about spending $4,000 to $13,000. Everybody fears this. And they think that it will cause a bunch of people to cancel their appointments. Right? Well, it does, by the way. It causes roughly 10% of the people who made an appointment to cancel it. I don't want my clinical technician, salesperson, spending 90 minutes with somebody who is absolutely vehemently predetermined not to spend four to $12,000. I'd rather get rid of them because I have highly capable salespeople who I want to put great prospects in front of. The others come in, so we only lose 10%. Easier to replace those 10% than it is to replace the 90 minutes sucked up from the good salesperson in front of a bad prospect. Right. Now, does it increase the cost per appointment? Yes, it increased it by 10%. Does it increase the revenue? Yeah, the closing percentage went from roughly 25% to above 35%. Which would you rather have? So the appointment is delayed long enough to deliver this by Federal Express, even though this is a local business. So this goes, today you make an appointment, this goes from the office in Oklahoma City by FedEx to Memphis to God knows where, Kuala Lumpur, I don't know, and it makes its way back overnight to Oklahoma City and it gets delivered to you tomorrow so that you can come in for your appointment on Thursday. Right. So that when you come in, 
You don't fall over dead when the guy whips out the price list. All right? Particularly since a lot of these people are coming in with heart trouble. So, another wealth fact. Rich people are paid in part or whole before they do work. Poor people get paid after they do the work. That's how the world works. Trump gets paid money to hang his name on a building before there is a building, before any units are sold, before any units are built. The guy that lays the bricks works for two weeks laying bricks, and then he gets a paycheck for the last two weeks of bricklaying. That's how the world works. When I started in the professional speaking business in 1978, I was one of the first people to collect a 50% deposit the minute you took a date, no matter how far away in life it was. I was actually accused by the Ethics Committee of the National Speakers Association of engaging in unethical behavior by requiring people to pay for services before they got it. Honest to God. Because the norm was, here's how dumb the norm was. Not only did everybody wait to invoice for the speaking fee until after they spoke, they invoiced for the expenses. I said, so let me get this straight. I am supposed to loan money to IBM. I'm going to put an airline ticket on my credit card, and then I'm going to send a bill for that. Two months later, when I speak, I'm going to send a bill for that to IBM, who, because corporations have a saying, we shall pay no bill before it's time, I am going to actually wait about 60 days for them to pay me for what I laid money out for on an airplane ticket and a hotel room and the pretzels and the dirt, a dirty movie. This makes no sense to me. Where does it say Bank of Dan? Furthermore, when you take, my, when you take a day off my calendar, so I have an inventory. If I'm a professional speaker, I have an inventory of roughly 200 days in a calendar year if you throw out the holidays and the weekends. And, you know. So even if, you, even if you could work 365, you have an inventory. You have 365 things to sell. Right? If you go out two years, you have 700 and whatever that is. 365 times 2 is 730. You have 730 things to sell. So the day you take one of those out of my inventory, my theory is you own it. You bought it, you own it. I want money for it. This was like a radical, revolutionary, strange idea. Their idea, it's not new. We did prepaid chiropractic in 1970. It's not new in healthcare, but it's radical. It's revolutionary. The hospital across the street from them, clueless. But rich people get paid in part or whole before they do work. Poor people get paid trailing the work and often trailing the work a lot. So I have a B2B client. It has taken me two years to win this battle. So they are a B2B company. They consult with hospitals, uh, mid-sized to large. And they go in and they do expense reduction projects, and they get paid a percentage of the recovered money that has been overpaid 
which, by the way, hospitals are paying on equipment leases that ended four years ago, and they're still cutting checks every month. I mean, you, it's just unimaginable how much money is going out the door just because somebody entered it in a computer and nobody went and took it back out. I mean, it's just beyond. But anyway, so she gets 33%. Her company gets 33% of the recovered money and a negotiated percentage of the, of the agreed-upon projected spend reduction for 36 months going forward. This is a lot of dough. These are big projects which also means they take four months, six months, eight months, some of them 14 months to complete. So there's all this work being done. No retainer. I fought this battle for two years. Nobody else in our industry gets money up front. We're the less known name brand of the other consultancies like Bain. We're going to lose a good project. We're all the reasons why we can't do this. And the only problem this company has, we got the marketing fixed, made better. They were already doing well. The only problem in life this company has is cash flow. So the only problem they got is cash flow, and they won't fix it took me two years. I said, get money up front. Here's how much we're going to find. Here's how much we're going to save. Times a percentage. Pick one. 10%. It's 10% down. I mean, finally, two weeks ago, they dared to ask for money. Okay. Here's your check. I said, now what we should do is, here's how much up front, and every month you cut a base check for X amount of dollars, and it all applies when we get to the end. It'll take me two more years to win that battle. That's why I get the big bucks. Oh, I found a form. The form you're looking for, either at the back of the room or in your bag, looks like this, by the way. And even though we are at the very end, you are still, you're not getting the savings people got at the beginning, but you are getting savings. So like Diamond members are uh, 850 bucks off of a uh, list, for example. So if you were going to go from installment or pay-as-you-go to prepay, um, in, our, in our world, as you know, you're on continuity. A lot of people switch people at a certain point in continuity to term sub subscription. So we know, for example, in the skincare businesses that are charged by the month, we know where the spikes are that people quit. So some of those companies arrive right before Susie's about to quit with a load-up offer. Susie, you've been a customer now for seven months. You know you like the glop. You know the glop makes your wrinkles go away. You're going to want to get this glop forever. If you would like, we'll stop charging you every month, and you can buy a two-year supply of glop for the price of one year and pile it up in your closet. And we'll give you free suntan oil, and we'll give you this, and we'll give you that. She was about to stop paying anyway. So she got converted to a term. The restaurant membership, I kind of just described one. Okay. 
the Disney Vacation Club, which is their name for the timeshare, health care prepay. Okay? And what you should know in health care, by the way, the patients behave better, the patients refer better. Okay? The referral rate on these patients is great. A lot of other people would, and we haven't even put a system in. A lot of people would think, oh, boy, when they go through that kind of a sales process and somebody takes that much money from them, they may be okay, but they're not going to want to refer anybody. Not the case at all. Sell by installment, but take out of installment. Almost all the direct response stuff uh, that, is, that you see sold on TV for a significant price, if it's sold at six payments or seven payments or five payments, there's at least one attempt, sometimes two or three, to take you back out of the payments. The payments brought you to the table whereas having to prepay would have diminished the number of calls. That's also an upsell strategy. You can have a product that brings them to the table that you hope nobody actually stays with. So when I sold at the success events, which I was selling magnetic marketing, but I had a $99 package that was not magnetic marketing. It was the other stuff you got with magnetic marketing. All that was designed to do was to get them to the table. So if they couldn't get over the hurdle of spending 278, they could go spend 99. Then it was the job of the people at the table to stop them from spending 99. We had a very simple script to make that happen. Right? And so when they followed the script, which I incentivized them to do, uh, even bad people at the tables made most of the 99 sales go away. And they converted them to 278s. Getting paid at the start, not at the end. So a lot of people, we talked yesterday, sell by diagnostic process. There's no reason not to charge for the diagnostic process. A lot of people think they can't. Financial planners think they can't. They sell with a two-appointment system. They analyze all the person's finances. They create a customized proposal. They have it in a nice fancy notebook for the person to take home with them, and they do all that for free. Why? Why is that free? Why isn't that a $1,500 service that's only $397? And here's everything you know as a result of the diagnostic process, whether we ever do business or not. If we do business, the $397 goes away. If we don't, you pay $397, you got information, we hug each other, and you go on your merry way and go back to your brother-in-law, the insurance agent, and at least you have a plan for him to implement for you. My diagnostic process, my diagnostic prescriptive process as a consultant slash copywriter is a day of consulting at $19,400. And you schlep to Cleveland, and we spend the day. At the end of the day, you may have gotten great value for your 19.4. You don't want to do anything else with me? That's okay. We hug each other. You go on your merry way. If there's a project, I used to apply it. Now I don't even apply it. If there's a project, there's a project. Those are the two things that can happen. Now, a lot of people in my world do that for free. Why do it for free? It doesn't make any sense. I did 22 of them last year for, for, for new clients, not in addition to all the ones I do for people I already got. So do the math. 22 times 19.4 or 22 times zero. Which do you prefer? Retainers, we just talked about that. So from installment or pay-as-you-go to prepay. Number six. Trouble in my hand, not bad. 
So, are Ron and Jill here? Wolforth? Yell. No. Makes it easier. So Ron and Joe Wolforth, they're in my titanium group, and they've been in my coaching groups in the past. And uh, they run a company called the Baseball Academy. They deal with parents and phenom kids uh, who think they're going to be great baseball players. Great business. But their family comes from the cattle business. So one day in a mastermind group in the basement of my house, they are explaining to me all of a sudden how the cattle business works. Right. So I bought this cow. Right. So this, this is my cow, by the way. Right. There's pictures in a frame. It's up on the wall. The cow came and went, by the way, but I had her for a while. So this is about, I think this was a $42,000 cow. Um, uh, here's the deal that I did not know. A bunch of you will know this. I didn't know this because I have horses. So when you breed a horse, you get a horse once a year. That's what you get. And a lot of times, that horse is no good. So then you got to wait another year, and then you got to wait another year, and then you got to wait another year. And finally, maybe you get a good horse. I thought that's the cow deal. Bull, cow, calf. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Real valuable prize cow is more like a cat. Okay. It, in tubes, it can give birth to like 20, and then they take the 20 tubes and they stick them in bad, ugly, cheap cows to carry them and produce calves. She produces embryos in tubes. She don't produce calves. So there's a really good, pretty cow, pretty, pretty, pretty cow, Okay. She never has to be pregnant. She just has to get pregnant. Then there's a whole tribe of cheap, ugly cows that can carry the embryo, do the heavy lifting of how many months it is, I forget, and pop out the calves. Now, I have some sympathy for this whole process because this is, you know, this is like, you know, pretty girl, Three ugly girls hang out together, you know, all through high school, go to the bars, you know, really the only purpose the ugly girls serve is make the pretty girl look more prettier, right? At the end of the night, the ugly girls are either one's driving the car, one's the lookout, one has to stay sober, and the pretty girl's in the back seat with the good-looking guy. And ultimately, the ugly girls learn, just like the ugly cows do, oh, shit. This is going to be this is going to be the deal forever, right? There's never going to be a prince charming. I'm never going to. This is horrible, right? I mean, this you understand the ugly cows like never have sex. They just have tubes put in them. It's only the pretty cow. So I have some sympathy for this whole process, but I'm instantly fascinated <laughs> because it's like a cat. It has a litter. First of all. Out of eight of them, one of them is going to be good. All right? If all eight of them are good, this is spectacular. All right? One cow, eight things we can sell. Terrific. All, right? all we got to do is feed the ugly ones. All right? They don't even need lipstick. Nothing. Low, low maintenance. Low maintenance. So I bought the cow. 
I bought the cow more for the story than really because I wanted to be in the cow business. Uh, but it turns out we made money, by the way. We made, oh, we made money. So here, here, here's, here's the point. You want to at least clone customers. Preferably, you want to multiply them. And ideally, you want to multiply the good ones. Because essentially, all you got to do to double your income is clone every customer. So, some points about that. First, most people in most businesses have no internal referral culture and no internal referral marketing system. Their referral system consists of one of two strategies. One is a combination of entitlement and hope. Okay. I do what I do really well, and I take really good care of my customers. Therefore, I am entitled to referrals from them, and I hope they honor their obligation. Unfortunately, they have no obligation. You were supposed to do everything excellent, and they gave you money for it. That's the end of that deal. Unless by contract the deal was, you got to give me money and you got to go find three. Otherwise, that's not the deal. And God knows we are awash in entitlement attitude, and it's a bad idea every place it exists. So that's one strategy. The other strategy that is only nominally better is a guy runs that strategy in his business for some period of time, isn't getting the kind of referrals he wants, and he says to himself, well, crap, I guess I got to ask. So now his strategy is, Mary, we just healed you and you can walk again. Please tell your friends about us. And he sends Mary out the door. Mary has no nothing to tell, there's a good chance if she does tell anybody, she's going to tell the story so badly she will repel somebody, not attract somebody. But mostly, she's not going to tell the story at all. A lot of things that you can get referrals for never come up in conversation. They're awkward to talk about. It's not you know, the guy doesn't run from advanced body scan to dinner with his wife and another couple and say, let me tell you about my virtual colonoscopy. All right? This is not, you know, a normal thing, okay? I did to Mr. Legrand and had him laughing so hard he could, because I have a great story, but I'm not going to tell it. But so, you got to fix this. Secondly, you want to create one to many sales opportunities of various kinds. They can be virtual or they can be physical, but you want opportunities where your customers, clients, or patients can bring people to you and have them encounter you and inter be introduced to you without it necessarily being an overt sales opportunity. Then there are forced referral strategies. So the power wash guys with a great big well-wrapped truck 
parked in a driveway in a cul-de-sac. See, that's forced referral. They don't have to say, Gail, would you tell your neighbors? The neighbors can see this thing. As long as they're smart enough to do the work at 5.30 in the afternoon. Now, if they're dumb enough to do the work at 10 o'clock in the morning, no forced referral because people aren't home. But at 5.30, everybody's home. And in a cul-de-sac, you can park that truck in such a way they can't even get around it to get into their own driveways. It's hard to miss that thing. That's a forced referral. Then people do what I do. They walk over and they say to the neighbor, you like these guys? They're doing a good job for you? Yeah, they're doing great. Okay, fine. All right? So she didn't have to proactively refer. She was forced to refer. So there's a five-house rule in residential. You probably all know it. You can find it in, um, in this book, the grassroots book. If you don't know it, there's a five-house rule that directly applies to this. So let me give you a great forced referral story. So I do a lot of mostly futile and frustrating work for free for a couple of charities, one of which is a food bank. And by the way, there's nothing more futile than dispensing free advice than dispensing it to a relative. Right. So I don't necessarily, this is, it's painful beyond belief because nobody will move slower on advice than people getting it for free. But they occasionally do do something. So I said to them, I'll bet your best donors are clumped residentially because birds of a feather flock together. We don't know. So how about we go look? So, you know, months later, yeah, they're clumped residentially. I said, great. So here's what we want to do. Right? We want to pick one where there's 26 of them, right? and we want to do the letter from him to the other 25 instead of the letter from you. Dear neighbor, we may or may not know each other, but, right? well, that they won't do. So they won't go get the guy. They won't go get him to sign 56 releases, like you had to sign a release when you come in here, you know, because every meeting has a lawyer in it when you're dealing with a nonprofit. I mean, so you got marketing people, but you got a lawyer, which for the most part, present company excluded, they're not useful. <laughs> so they agree to a lesser design grudgingly, and they test it with great fear. Mm -hmm. So what they should have done is, dear neighbor, you, I, our neighbors listed above, everybody here will have a good meal tonight, none of our kids will go to bed so hungry they're hurt, and there'll be food left over in the fridge for your midnight snack. Not so for 128,600 families within a 90-mile radius of us. See, that should come from Bill Johnson, who lives in Windcrest, to the other people who live around him in Windcrest. It doesn't really matter if they actually know each other. They now know him because he introduced himself as a neighbor. And it's a form of peer pressure. So that they wouldn't do. What they settled for, grudgingly, was the letter coming from them into a neighborhood where they had a cluster of donors and listing the donors. Right? 
So it came from the food bank, but it said, Ron, uh, you may or may not know, uh, but right here in your community, uh, Bill and Susan Robinson and Charlie, Dr. Charlie and Helen and are all great supporters of our food bank. And we thought you might like to know about the great work we're doing too. Right? All right? Everybody's terrified of this. Right? So here's the result. Right? Then I'm going to tell you why they won't do it. So here's, here's the result. Right? A tiny little bump in response from, against normal, cold, just generic direct mail. Tiny little bump in response triple of size of first contribution. That's big because charities lose money on new donor acquisition. This is front end profitable on new donor acquisition. Now, they still won't do it, even having seen the empirical evidence, because it's too much work, because right? you've got to customize the piece into every neighborhood, community, where you have a clump of donors, and everybody wants one thing to do, so I proved it, but I can't get it done. However, you could, so I pass it on to you. You have to at least clone them. You want to multiply them if you can. So, skip it over that. Let's talk about this. The big rich in Texas are mostly not merchants. Neiman Marcus is a merchant. They are a merchant to rich people. <laughs> now, over time, they got rich. But the real rich, they own oil wells. They don't own stores. They're not merchants. So you got to think about where your oil wells are. And there's a difference between where they are and where most people think they are in most businesses. So are they in superior product or service? Well, the biggest oil well in pizza is Domino's and Pizza Hut. Is there any city in America we can't find a better pizza? Not a one. You can, they, even if there's no Italian there, there's a Chinese guy okay, who's got a Chinese restaurant that also sells pizza, and his pizza is better than Domino's pizza. Okay. So it ain't the product. Okay. There are 16,000 16,800 brands that were in the top five brands in their product and service categories the year I was born in 1954 that do not exist. They're all gone. All gone. So it's not in the product or service. Is it in the intellectual property? So Marvel, which owns Spider-Man and Avengers and, you know, all that, Iron Man, which now, even if you never were a comic book person and never paid any attention to that ever before, pretty much everybody in here is at least aware of Spider-Man, Iron Man, the Avengers, and Captain America. You've got to be living in a lead cave not to be aware of it. 
So Marvel flirted with bankruptcy on three different occasions. The company hardly ever made any money. Every once in a while, they had a year where they made some money. They had licensed out all the film rights to various and sundry parties for relatively small payments because they so desperately needed cash all the time. The thing was a, a heaping pile of no profit after years and years and years, and despite having incredibly popular intellectual property. Spider-Man, incredibly popular. Couldn't turn in any cash. Disney bought it. They know what to do. They're smart marketers. They have an ecosystem to plug it into where there's already a crap load of money floating around. Okay? Iger gets the entire purchase price back on three films, and the thing is making a fortune. It ain't the intellectual property. At best, it's intellectual property and what gets done with it. So you will hear today in our world, and in the news media in general, you will hear a phrase called content is king. This is utter crap. This is just another way of saying, if you build a better mousetrap, they will beat a path to your door. Now, the people who are saying content is king, see, they don't, they didn't hear that one. So they think they, they have a new idea. It's not a new idea. Right? It's a fatally flawed idea with all sorts of historical precedent discrediting it. It's just like, we'll only do one all day, our current president thinks socialism is a new idea. Right? He skipped history all the way through his education. Not a new idea, thoroughly discredited idea, failed idea. Right? Same with this. Content is not king. Content is literally worthless. The stored value in content often disintegrates upon the death of the human being who was attached to the content in the first place. Happens all the time. So Psycho-Cybernetics, to the best everybody's estimate, has sold somewhere between 30 million and 60 million copies of the original book worldwide, one of the top five self-improvement books ever written, ever published. We bought all the rights to all the Maxwell Maltz intellectual property, all of it, books, radio, recordings, trademarks, copyrights, everything, 125000 bucks, no royalties. It ain't the IP. Is it talent or skill? Never. Most talented people I know in every field are broke. You can almost always hire talent cheap. And who's better? So, can we find a better psychologist than Dr. Phil? Nah. Go out in L.A., stand someplace, throw a rock. Mm -hmm. Go find a Yellow Pages that still exists somewhere, open it up to psychologists, have your cat take a crap on the, use the name. I mean, yeah, probably we could find a better psychologist. Can we find one making more money? Now we're going to have to stretch some. All right? So it's not talent, it's not skill, it's not, is it location? Mm -hmm. 
department stores used to be downtown. Downtown dead. Suburbs, malls. What's dying now? Malls. All right. Tie your can to location, you're in trouble. And by the way, Google is a location. Don't miss the point. It's a location, just like downtown. Just because you get it on your doohickey, you know, understand it's a location. MySpace was a location. Oh, Facebook will be with us until we die. Nobody even remembers MySpace. There's three people still on it, by the way. It's customers. The only oil well most of you will ever have an opportunity to own in your life is the va high-value customers So, most important thing I can tell you about drilling oil wells. Is this. The dumbest thing everybody does in marketing is try to acquire their customers by spending as little as possible in general and as little as possible on each customer that they acquire. This foolishness never ends. It just gets recreated again and again and again as media changes. So people have six different ways they can get a customer. It costs them 38 cents over here. It costs them $38 over here. They, they won't touch the $38 thing, and they want to get them all for 38 cents. The first thing is they never measure the comparative value after acquisition by source. And usually, the value is somewhat proportionate to the cost of acquisition, but often disproportionate, meaning the 38-cent one is not just 10 times worse than the $38 one. They're 100 times worse than the $38 one. Not always. These guys are converting from Groupon at Advanced Body Scan. All right? However... More often than not, there's a relationship. So they try and spend as little as possible. They are buying false bargains because they don't have good tracking data all the way through to comparative value of what this customer is like. And therefore, they narrow their acquisition to the cheapest ways that they can function. It is almost impossible to buy speed that way and you rarely buy sustainability that way. Somebody was telling, I don't know who's telling me they went fishing at Disney in the big lake, which I thought was, you know, nonsense. And they caught like 48 great trout or something. I'm telling you why they caught 48 great trout. Because Disney's stocking a pond with really great trout and teaching them to jump in the boat. That's, that's what's going on down there. The trout, as soon as they're born, are put in a class. I mean, I know that's what they're doing, you know, and they're playing It's a Small World to them, and they like that, and then they play that in the sonar under the boat, and all the trout come and jump, and I know that's what's going on. So, so when you buy false bargains, you 
harm your sustainability. When you narrow the focus, you can't buy speed. The antithesis of this is, so here's a formula. Figure out who your best customer is. Your most sustainable, highest value, least susceptible to the vagaries of the economy, all of that. Figure out who your best customer is. Figure out what it costs you to get them. Whatever that number is, embrace it. Do not run from it. Do not fear it. Do not compare it to numbers from lesser quality, less sustainable customers. Here's my number. Now I must figure out, I must organize my business, I must do whatever is required to be able to pay that tab. So if you determine that the absolute best car for you and the car that you want more than any other car on earth is a Bentley and the payments are 4200 bucks a month don't drive a Rambler if it really means that much to you figure out how, what you can do so you can without starving your children or jeopardizing your retirement or moving into a grass hut make a $4,200 a month car payment it's exactly the same thing here Okay. If he, which by the way, he wouldn't be, but if he is my ideal customer, he's like it. If I could just clone him and have no one else, just a room full of him, they all look like him, they're, uh, they're just clones of him. If that's the case, whatever it costs me to get him, I now got to go back and engineer my business so I can afford to buy him. That's the winning formula. We'll close on another piece of Western wisdom for you. Doing things the right way and the best way actually don't cost half as much as doing them the cheapest way. I'll see you again at the next session. You've been listening to one of our gold members only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a diamond member and get access to the diamond members only podcast as well. On top of that, you'll also get access to the whole enchilada with all of Dan's courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.